Hello and welcome to episode 405 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 405, we are joined by three special guests. We have joining us uh, Mike Tramp. Mike Tramp, obviously, at uh, one point, the main man of White Lion, uh, kind of the face of the band. Uh, and has gone on to do uh, several solo albums. Has got a new one out right now, actually, and he's going to be coming in to do a, a special show at the Craft House in Pittsburgh uh, with John Karabi, who is a former frontman of Motley Crue, obviously, uh, and also a fellow Pennsylvanian, John from Pennsylvania. Uh, but Mike and John are going to be doing a, a show there on the 21st of March, so uh, we'll be presenting that show that night, so we want to give a chance to catch up with Mike, find out what he's up to, so we'll get to that interview in just a moment. We also have joining us uh, from the band Red Rain, who will be coming into Pittsburgh to open the show for Winger at uh, Jurgles on the 16th of March. Uh, we have Sammy Lee, drummer of the band, founding member of the band. I'm uh, going to be talking about them in just a little bit. And also uh, a new uh, band, well, not a new band, but a, a Pittsburgh metal band that's new to Iron City Rocks, Riparian. We have uh, Nick Toupe. Uh, going to be coming up in a little bit to talk about their crushing new EP. So without further ado, we're going to get into that interview with Mike Tramp. We're going to play a little bit of Mike's solo music uh, to give you an idea of what he has done uh, post-White Line and what you might expect at the show. Uh, fabulous conversation with him, and we'll catch you on the other side. You're 
Ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to Iron City Rocks. We have Mike Tramp on the line. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing good from the other side of the world. Yeah, yeah. Are you in Denmark right now? I am in Denmark at the moment. Yes, I am. This is where I was born and raised, just in case somebody, you know, wondering what the hell I'm doing here. Yeah, we don't get a, get a, lot, a lot of people migrating uh, to Denmark. That's, that's cool. Um, you were going to be coming back uh, stateside to do a show with John Karabi on the 21st of March at the Craft House. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to be really, really excited to see you. Um, we didn't get to see a lot of, of in the White Lion era of you coming to town, but I know this is not your first trip to Pittsburgh, but can you talk a little bit about what you do on these acoustic shows, what people can expect? Well, you know, I mean, it's an interesting, it's an interesting question because you sometimes feel that it's not, it's not, you know, um, promoted in the correct way that mm -hmm. because... Because we're caring, I mean, you know, both John and I, but let's just stick to my tram for, for this interview. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm carrying this, this name and this logo with me everywhere I go from, from, you know, from 33 years ago, mm -hmm. uh, called White Lion and, you know, some major hits and, and, and a very successful band in the 80s. But it is 33 years ago and, and even though, most people don't know it. I've done 14 albums since, 11 solo albums, which are very, very consistent meaning in the way that from the second I recorded my first solo album in 96 and up until now when I'm just about to release my 11th solo album, I've been on one straight path with no side turns at all. Okay. And, no. me, and, and to answer you, your question is, I am including songs from the past mixed in with this, the songs that I play, you know, from my solo albums. Mm -hmm. But but all of it will will tell you that the songwriter and singer on stage has deep down inside been the same all along the way. Right. It probably was just more, you know, the haircut the videos and, 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 and the image that was portrayed in the in the 80s but when I was sitting in my basement writing these songs on an acoustic guitar the way that I had learned back in the late 60s, early 70s in Copenhagen, Denmark I am, I am exactly that person today mm -hmm. now you mentioned a new album. Uh, I had an opportunity to listen to the Maybe Tomorrow album uh, just the other day. You got like very—I have to say—very almost inspirational when I listen to some of the songs. Um, maybe because it was a beautiful day, I was listening to it. But you know, some of these songs I think have—I want to say—a lot of almost happiness in it. You know, not that that's a negative thing, but um, you can you can sense you're in a good place in your life when you listen to these songs or at least it comes across that way would you say your new material for the, you know your forthcoming album is is similar in nature it, it is completely similar i mean i have my own little acdc world mm -hmm. with with no disrespect to one of my favorite bands but the thing is that i want my tram to be something on the spy shelf that when you reach for it, you know exactly what it is. If it's okay. if it's cinnamon, or if it's cayenne pepper, or or if it's something else, you don't stand there and go, 
I wonder what this is going to taste like. Mm -hmm. So all I have ever wanted to be was my tramp. And um, I went through the 80s and had a wonderful, great time mm. and, and, and ran my wild horses to the ground. And, and when I got back up, I just realized that all I wanted to do was just be me. And once you, re you, you remove the 80s sound, mm. the 80s look, and, and just have the songwriter and solo artist left, this is how I sound. When you hear me perform the White Lion songs live with just an acoustic guitar, that is how the songs were written. Hmm. Do you do you collaborate a lot when you write, or are you you were kind of a, a lone wolf in that respect? No, I, I wrote all the songs in White Lion was written together with guitar player Vito Brada. We used to sit in front of each other. Vito would sit with his Strat. And I would sit with the acoustic guitar, and it would be sort of like Bob Dylan, Neil Young, Springsteen meeting, you know, Van Halen, Led Zeppelin on the other side. And, and out of that came, you know, White Lion, some great guitar playing with some great melodies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 you know, without putting myself, you know, in a box that is so separate from the other ones, there is, a, there is definitely a big difference between Rat Cinderella, Poison, Motley Crue, and then White Lion. All you need to do is pick up the album and put it on, and you will see that. And one of the major differences is that Mike Tramp was a kid that was raised in Copenhagen, Denmark, with a with a big with a big his eyes open to the world, but also very much inspired by folk folk music. Mm -hmm. And that is true background. Ted Nugent and 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 Van Halen, even though they're 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 rock favorites of mine, are not my inspiration when it comes to songwriting. Mike, did you find in that era of the '80s, you know, when you guys were with Atlantic, that there was pressure to become something you weren't? I mean, obviously, you guys had the look. I mean, you know, you were you know obviously in. The guy they loved in the in the magazines and things like that for the posters. But did you feel like the record company and the A and R people were, were kind of trying to pigeonhole you guys or, or push you, you know, square peg into a round hole, or was were you guys pretty free to write the songs that you wrote? Well, I mean, the, you know, to be fair to both the label and 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 to ourselves and, and and to all the people around us, there's both the good or the bad side. Mm -hmm. We never had any pressure on on having to write in any specific way. On the other hand, I think that in many ways, the people working close to us on the record company were just as new to what was happening in the 80s as we were as a band. Mm -hmm. Because I have all the answers now, 2020 hindsight, looking back, I have all the answers to everything that went right and everything that went wrong and why all these things happened but I didn't have the answers in 1987 right. like one of the biggest stories was, was after being on the road for a year and a half selling millions of records we were given absolutely zero time to come up with, with, with the follow up albums mm -hmm. and, and the biggest gripe right there is that what the band needed more than anything was a departure away from everything from the fans from the magazines from the video but instead we ended up going back on the road seven with a new album seven months 
after our final show on on the prior tour and and there we are and it's just way 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 too soon and this is the first step in where we slowly started already going the wrong way yeah it did seem like there was such a a pace to, to churning out product in that era that um you know unfortunately it made you know they say you have your whole life to write your debut obviously pride wasn't your debut album but yeah you're right you you've got a gun to your head to get a new cd in the rack you know as soon as the tour is over um do you do you find that you know kind of working on your own schedule now much more enjoyable or do you still find pressure when it comes you know when you say in your mind okay i'm going to do a new album 2019 do you feel do you, do you kind of write to a deadline or or do these songs kind of a collection of things that have come to you in the span of time since the last record but you know, I mean, John, let, let's let's get real here. I mean, in in the eighties, I was selling millions of records. Now I sell ten thousand copies around the world. Oh. That's mm. that's one way, which basically means that I am my own manager. I am the only songwriter of of all my albums. I am the producer. I am the instigator, and in many cases, I'm also the bank. Right. So I write songs when I write songs and I record an album when I'm ready to record it and I release it when it seems right okay now all these three things has been coming very very easy to me I cannot pick up a guitar without writing a song um, because it's just it's flowing out of me at the moment and I do feel that my albums stand up to the best of the best that it doesn't sell millions is just maybe you know more about how the business is and you know i only have you know so much you know to to promote etc etc and and don't get on the radios the same way anymore but all that aside i am 100 percent in control of my career and and my business and stuff like that and so it, it, it it's 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 very much enjoyable because i'm not I'm not told what to do. I only do it because I want to do it. This music is screaming to get out. And, you know, my lyrics is an extension of my soul, my heart, my feelings, my problems, my happiness, everything. There's not one thing in any of these songs that is not 100% me. And most of all, Mike Tramp is current. Mike Tramp is 57 years old in 2018 and I am not going to try to pretend or sing like I'm 27 years old yeah and that's that's a I think a key for for many artists who don't make that realization you know that, that it's it's hard sometimes when you listen to music when, when you know when I listen to your last studio album it sounds extremely genuine I you know it, it sounds from you know a man coming from a place that makes sense as opposed to singing about getting loaded in, in bars and things like that and you see bands do that they, they, they try to pretend like it's 1989 and this is the follow up to their 1987 album yeah you know it, 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 it's it's a big issue man and it's a big debate for me in that way I, I really you know I, I don't have the rights to mm. sit put anybody down in that way but I find it really 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 wrong that you've been up there in your mid 60s and you're writing lyrics like you're you're about to release 
another album in the 80s and go yeah. on tour with Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. I mean, just, it's just it's just goddamn ridiculous. And I wonder how the hell they feel when they go to sleep. I really do feel that I have some sort of responsibility. And, you know, I'm not drawing big crowds, and I'm okay with that. But most likely, and in most situations, when I played the U.S., you know, I played U.S. in... In 13, 14, 15, and 16, I drive my own rental car. I put up my own guitar and my little my my microphones, and I sell the T-shirts after the show. The people that I meet are the ones who have moved along and grown, and now are family members and stuff like. And I really just do think that they should be given something more than T and A and and beer. Yeah. Okay. In their lyrics, they can go. They can at any moment. Go back in their album collection or listening to shows like Where Are They Now or Hair Today and Hair Gone Tomorrow. But when they come to a Mike Tram show, I'm going to take them through a therapy session. I'm going to throw some funny stories in there, but I'm definitely not going to go up there and shake my ass and pretend. I'm going to invite them deep into my soul, and when I am done, they will know what kind of bedding my tram sleeps under. Yeah, and then I think that, that that's admirable. I know when you when you think of uh, when you were talking about that, I was thinking about how I don't know if you would have had an opportunity to listen to Steve Perry's most current album, but it's from such a genuine place that I think it really jumps off the page. Of course, I do. I've loved Steve Perry since I heard him the first time, and I have waited for decades, maybe not decades, but for, for Steve to get back, and and not the only one because. He was one of my favorite singers. Mm-hmm. He he still is, and I and and I love him to death. So I welcome welcome him back with open arms, man. Yeah, you know, and, and you know the subject matter of his album. You know, is it maybe you know it's a, it's an interesting story. It's kind of a sad story, but it's extremely genuine. And that's I, I think one of the things that makes it great. He's not trying to sound like it's 1982 again. You why know, should you? Why should it, man? You know, this is this is this is another thing that I have to gripe with. I everybody in rock and roll have the rights to do whatever they want. Mike Tramp's not going to sit in his in his house in Copenhagen, Denmark, and point fingers. But the fact of the matter is, and and as great as actually your journey has been able to pull this off with this new young singer from the Philippines, mm. it's almost. Like one day you decide to just exchange your wife with a younger woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're 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 exactly right. I mean, it's. And I, I think it. You know, I you know, I just think I I, I just think it's wrong. And it, you know, I say this to people when they ask, "Is there going to be a wide line reunion?" And I say, first of all, there isn't. And number two. If, if if the only one way I can say that you will believe it, then I'm going to say it this way. I cannot be my tram 27 years old in 2018. I can't sing like this. I can't, I can't do the show like this. And I don't want to do it. Yeah. And that's, I think. You know, you know I mean, but it doesn't stop bands like Kiss. No, that yeah, that's that in itself is a whole different ball of ball of yarn. It's a joke, man. It's a joke. I wonder how they sleep at night. No, no matter how much money they make, I can't tell you. You could not pay me enough 
I would not go on stage and fight my way through a song that I cannot sing. What yeah. a horrible feeling that would be to do. Yeah, it, it certainly is, um, you know, coming at it in totally different ways. I mean, you know, capitalism, for sure, art, artistic endeavor, not really. You know, certainly. What happened to rock and roll integrity? What happened to that? I mean, you know, I mean, is Joe Namath or Terry Bradshaw out there playing football? No, no, thank goodness. And, and that you're exactly right. I mean, it, it's that rock and roll field. They got caught blanche, and they're never too old to do it. I mean, you know, I mean, we're not talking about BB King sitting on a chair playing the blues, but long hair rock and roll has an expiring date. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and I think it was before 2019. You know, for the, that particular flavor, without question. And, and you know, you you brought up an interesting point about you know journey and you know dating younger woman. Some of it, you know, I was thinking about this with White Lion. I mean, you spent you know several years of your life and obviously sold many many records with them, but you moved on. You know, but still people bug you know Sebastian Bach about Skid Row. I'm sure everybody and their brother asks you about White Lion. At some point, you know, you 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 know, it's kind of like saying, you know, do you want to go out with that girl you dated 30 years ago? Probably not. You know, that you've moved on, you have a life, you've got music beyond that. You mentioned, you know, you've got how many solo albums since then? Time has marched on. You know, what is the value other than nostalgia and going backward? Well, we we belong in you know in the old days when you when you walk into a record store and you saw those different you know the different categories and stuff like mm. that. I belong in the category of those who moved on. Yeah. Okay. And things like and I move on with grace and I move I move on with respect to the past. When I play the White Lion songs on stage and I tell some stories and stuff like that, it is because these are my songs. Mm-hmm. But I'm going out there and asking the venues to promote me as why am I why do I always have to be the voice of White Lion? Why can I not just be my tramp? Yeah. You know, I don't to be the voice of White Lion, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's just the way it is. But, you know, to 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 all your listeners out there, and they can choose what side they want to be on, at, you know, in, in what I say, I just, I just need to let everybody know that, you know, I came from very little, and, you know, I have both my feet on the ground, and, I, and I'm happy with what I do. I couldn't go up there and do what I did anymore, man. And, you know, actually, you know, in, in, in 2005 and 2007, I did some, some my tramps wide line across the USA. And you know what? There weren't that many people coming out, you know. Right, right. So don't give me all this thing about, you know, wide line this, wide line that. You know what? Listening to the Pride album, that's what wide line was. Right. Yeah, and it's great to enjoy it for what it was. I mean, but you're right. You can't necessarily turn back time and make this 1988 again. I mean, that's just. Peter Brada and myself, who founded this band, I'm total agreeance that we're not going to do that. And I, I've even apologized to Vito for doing this this little run and, and, and you know, in many ways, maybe tainting the name. Mm-hmm. It was it was just my weakness for a short period of time when I didn't maybe believe that my solo career would be strong enough. But you know, all I needed to do was go out there and test the water just to find out that I didn't want to do it. 
and also that I couldn't do it anymore and that I didn't it didn't feel right to go up there it didn't feel right to go up there and stand and pose and say this bullshit that I said in the 80s yeah and that's I think the key is is the word feel I mean you people you know 80s were great we had a great time but it's 2018 I'm a father to three kids yeah I mean that that's you 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 know, I think you you really hit the nail on the head is, is how it feels to you. I mean because I, I think you know listening to your albums, I think you still have an incredible voice. I, you know this isn't a situation where I, I don't think that you could hack the songs, but you know if it doesn't feel genuine, then you know it's going to come off as phony, and no one wants that. So you can you know, counter that. You can that's counter fant- that. Fantastic. Well, Mike, I don't want to keep you. I know it's getting getting on in the evening for you, and uh, again, you're coming with John Karabi, another incredible singer. That should be a fantastic night. Uh, yeah, the John, craft and I, John and I are old friends, and you know we we've done a lot of these acoustic shows together. And and then to me, to me, this is like this is like two cowboys meeting on the middle of, of, of the prairie and sitting down around the campfire and just and, and just you know shoot, shoot the crap, you know, you know, into <laughs> sort of say just that you know just remnants around everything we've done, not being bitter about it, man. We have been so lucky. We've been so lucky, and I and I thank every person that comes out to the show. I thank everybody who writes a nice comment on Facebook, or every person that buys my album, whatever, man, and just understand what it is. We don't want to be any more than we are. I am the world's best Mike Tram, 57 years old. It's what I do. It's the only thing I know what to do. And you're still doing it at a very high level, Mike. And I want to thank you so much. I wish you safe trip over here and, and uh, have a great holiday. And we'll see you in in just four short months. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Looking forward to get back to the great state of PA. The concert event: Nightmares Are Made Of. Alice Cooper. Hailstorm. With special guest, Motionless and White. The live show you can't escape. Friday, July 19th, Key Bank Pavilion. Tickets on sale now at LiveNation.com or Ticketmaster.com. Part of the Bordas and Bordas Concert Series. All right, a big thank you to Mike Tramp again. That show with John Karabi will be at the Craft House in Pittsburgh. Uh, you can find information on that at our website. Uh, Iron City Rocks is sponsoring that event. You can find it on our events on our Facebook page as well. That's going to be John Karabi and Mike Tramp, 21st Craft House. So uh, check that out. As I mentioned, uh, Mike has a new album out. You can uh, listen to it. At the time of the interview, the album wasn't out yet, but uh, the album is available now. Uh, We're going to turn attention now to another band that's going to be coming into Pittsburgh. The band is Red Rain out of the Richmond, Virginia area of Richmond, who has brought us some amazing musicians, Lamb of God, Guar, um, to name a few a firehouse based out of Richmond. So uh, we had a chance to speak to Sammy Lee, the drummer of the band Red Rain. We're going to be coming in to open that show for Winger at Jurgles on the 16th. So without further ado, we're going to play you a song from Red Rain. The song is called Toxic. And we're going to get into that interview with Sammy. Can't rescue you You know in your heart Our love will still Can't 
ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to the show Sammy Lee of the band Red Rain. How are you doing today, Sammy? I'm doing fine, Jan. Uh, John. Excuse me. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. You guys are, are going to be rolling uh, up from Virginia to do a show with um, at least one-fifth of Winger as a hometown band. Uh, Red Beach and, and Winger are going to be doing a show at Jurgles on the 16th. You guys have got... Uh, one of the uh, the uh, support slots that night, so we were uh, excited to get a chance to talk to you guys. You guys have a fantastic EP available. Uh, had a chance to listen to that a couple times in the last few days. Um, great to get you on. Can you talk a little bit about um, Red Rain kind of spawned out of a, a cover band, am I correct? Uh, well, it, it actually spawned out of a few bands. Uh, the singer and I... Uh, Bubba, who is our singer, and mm-hmm. myself were in a, another band in Richmond for a while. Uh, more, we, we've been fortunate enough to do a lot of originals, but the other band we were in, which was a band named Seth, we did mainly originals with some covers. And so Bubba and I came from there. Uh, Stevie Shred, the guitar player, came from a mostly cover band. And Larry has been in and out of bands for years. But the funny thing about Larry was years ago, Larry was in a band called White Heat, and White mm-hmm. Heat was the band that actually turned into Firehouse. Okay. So a lot of uh, a lot of history there. But yes, we uh, we formed Red Rain. Um, it was a, it was a I don't even know how to explain. But Red Rain was formed by Bubba and I, and to, to to do exactly what we're doing, which is all originals, no covers. Now. I know, obviously, most of our audience is probably pretty familiar with what the rock scene is like in Pittsburgh for, for you know, up-and-coming bands. Uh, Richmond, though, I think a lot of us, you know, especially in Pittsburgh, we think of War, we think of Lamb of God. Um, can you talk a little bit about what the scene is like there for, a, you know, a band doing all originals, you know, in the hard rock and slash metal genres? Sure. It's tough. It's a, it's a tough scene uh, um, in Richmond. The the clubs that usually uh, play the stuff that we're playing have sort of slimmed down. You know, uh, right. a couple of years ago there was 15, and there was 10, and there's probably about five or six clubs that still carry that flag. But 99% of those bands that are playing those clubs are cover tunes. Right. I I have been in and out of cover bands since I started playing drums years ago, and when I wanted to do Red Rain, I realized I wanted to sort of do it my way. I was going to live and die by the sword. Bob and I had talked about that. So we knew doing this project that Richmond was not going to be the city we were, we were targeting because um, it's a hard support. And, you know, even Lamb of God and Guars from here and, and Firehouse actually is sort of based out of Richmond. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough sell when you're doing all original. People, as well as, you know, as well as you know and as well as you, your listening audience knows, when you go to a bar and you want to have some fun and a, and a couple of adult beverages, you want to hear what you know. Yeah. So it, it, it's hard to break through. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons, you know, we, we like to get bands, you know, that aren't even necessarily from Pittsburgh, but, you know, are going to be doing shows here. Because we like, you know, I know my own safe. If I go to see a band and they get up and play eight, nine originals and I don't know any of them, you know, I can appreciate that. I, you know, I, I'm kind of a... I study bands when I go to see them. I'm not, you know... You know, I'm kind of weird in that way, probably. But always love it when you... Oh, I recognize Toxic or, you know, something like that. And that's what I think, you know, we try to do is give some exposure to bands, uh, you know, that are going to be coming through, get people interested in the whole event. You know, it, it's great. I think everybody knows 
you know, they're going to know the songs from Winger from the first two records, certainly, you know, so the hardcore fans will know, you know, some of the later albums, but, you know, with, with a band like yours coming in, especially from out of town, it's good to get, um, you know, people familiar with the music, so they enjoy your set more, because you guys have really fantastic music from the EP. Um, Thank you. It, well, that's it, the it, thing about, that's the one good thing, you know, we've, uh, we played... Uh, I'm sorry, the cities that we played in, we, we've sort of been well-received for a couple reasons. One is, and you've heard the EP, but the song is sort of reminiscent of that, that genre and time of music, you know. Right. So uh, even though the song itself might not be familiar, the, the riffs in the songs are from that genre. And so, right. um, yeah, and, and also we try to, you know, uh, put on a little bit of a show to keep people interested. So yeah, that's, yeah. It, it all you know, it's all it's all thought out. It's all methodical, believe it or not. And so um, yeah, I think what I what what I like when I listen to it is that it to me harkens back to a lot of music that obviously was part of my youth and the music I love. But it doesn't sound retro or contrived. It doesn't sound like you know we you know you shot you set out to remake. To hell with the devil or, or blow my fuse or something like that it right. sounds uh contemporary yet it it scratches itches from people who like that kind of music and, and that's well uh, it is it's, it's uh, and i listen I, i'll be the first one to tell you it's a little bit of a throwback uh, mm. for the for the same reason that you just said we uh grew up in the same era and right. so our influences were were instrumental in the songs that we're playing. I mean, again, I, and I've said this every time I do an interview. I'm I'm a Van Halen fan. Sure. A real, you know, I say real Van Halen fan. I'm a David Lee Roth Van Halen fan. So mm -hmm. the, the the kind of drumming, sort of that big booming sound, I try to emulate more of an Alex Van Halen type drumming. Right. And the other guys in the band bring their influences, which is in that era. So yeah, it it, it is. It's a mix mosh of that era, but. Uh, with a little bit of, um, like you said, sort of more of a flavor where it doesn't sound too retro. You right. know, and I'm, I, I've said this all the time. My, my thing is this, is, is so many people keep comparing us to the 80s or 90s. I've always said, a good song is a good song, and that transcends yeah. time. Um, you know what I mean? Like, mm. like if, I, if I get on the phone and we started talking and you said, hey, you know, who's your favorite artist? I say Elvis, and you're like, well, you know, that's kind of 60-ish. It's not. It's a good song. Yeah. Good song is a good song. Doesn't yeah. matter what time period it came from, and I believe uh, that. Yeah, it certainly does. Now, um, when you was it difficult in in, in forming the band? Um, you know, you mentioned growing up in the era of the '80s, so I can assume, based on that, I'll extrapolate that you're not 24, um, and I don't need to know how old you are. But when you, when you have a situation where you you are a committed musician to making original music and you're looking for bandmates, is that a difficult thing to find musicians who aren't just looking for the Friday, Saturday night gig playing songs they've known for 25 years to make a few bucks? Uh, yeah, that is tough. But, I'll, but so, so here's the, here's kind of the kick that you have to real that you have to kind of put into their minds when you're searching for these guys. Mm -hmm. A, you're not playing covers. Right. Which, goes to B, which is you're not playing weekends, which goes to C, you're really not going to make any money. Right. So you got to get guys who are passionate about it. Not, and, I'm not, and, and when I say that, I'm not saying that people who play covers or in bars aren't passionate, so I'm not saying that. It's, right. you got to find a sort of different passionate guy 
who just loves to play, who loves to be on stage, and who loves uh, just everything about the whole process. You know, mm-hmm. un, you know, the driving for four to six hours, the yeah. unload the equipment, uh, the you know, the sound check. I mean, it's got to be every aspect that you love because it's not really for the glory or the or or money. It's right. for the passion. And the good news is, I and Bubba and Stevie and Larry have that passion. You know, we get along great when it, when it gets tiring a little bit or around each other, then everybody kind of goes their own way. It's so it's, we know, we know that it can be taxing on us, but you know, we don't take it out on each other. So as long as you have that, and as long as you have those guys that are fighting for that passion, then I, I believe you'll always win. Not, and I believe at this point we, we are winning. So yeah. Yeah. And I think Shane reference for you. Yeah, and you've got to almost you you have to look at this and say, okay, this has to be an intrinsic motivation that drives a you know a band, um, you know, because you you look, you've got online press kit, you've got CDs, you've got gear, you've got to take from venue to venue. You mentioned how far of a drive it is. I mean, you've got to look at that and say, there's probably not a great chance you're going to recoup the money on some of this stuff. Um, so you can tell right there that you're doing it for the love of what you're doing, and that's right. You know, that's commendable. Right, yeah, uh, absolutely. And and again, and, and, and that's not taking away from anybody who plays in other bands. Mm-hmm. I, I'm strictly talking about what we do. Uh, right. So, but yeah, I mean, it's you know, the, the good thing about us is um, we we do enjoy what we do, and, and and I think I think that comes across when we're playing playing on stage live, and I think you'll yeah. see that. Yeah, yeah. And you weigh that against, you know. Obviously, it seems like in the last ten years, I've noticed personally a trend that tribute bands seem to grow almost exponentially in popularity. Or you know, where you see, I mean, I don't know what Richmond's like, but in Pittsburgh, you can't go a month without seeing a Led Zeppelin two or a, you know some sort of Led Zeppelin full on lighting and costumes. Uh, right. Tribute band, and that's that's a different kind of trade-off. I mean, those guys are are basically handcuffing themselves in a way where you know you're gonna you're gonna love what you play, but you can't deviate from that. Um, no. you know, so it's a certainly. It, it, so it's really funny. We we had a show here a couple of years ago. It was a Rush tribute band, mm-hmm. and uh, one of my buddies called me and said, "Hey, let's go check this out." So we we took our you know we we we, we took our you know, our friends and our and our wives, and we went down there, and I'm sitting there, and I'm watching, obviously, I'm watching the drummer, as I'm drumming, and the guy is, like, Neil, Neil Peart-esque. I mean, it's right. just, like, flawless drumming. But I'm thinking to myself, now, what other band is this guy going to be in? Yeah. That, that, he's, that he would do his original stuff, that, you know, he would try to throw this type of drumming in, because there's not many bands out there that have a Neil Peart in it. I mean, yeah, so, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's hand. I mean, obviously he's not hand strapped. He can get any band he wants, but sure. to show that kind of uh, drumming, yeah, I think it's tough. But you're right; it's a it's a different animal in a tribute band, and uh, and I, it, to me, it takes as much work as being an all original band because yeah. you miss one note, you know somebody's gonna you know give you hell for it. Yeah, that's it. You know, I know. For example, you know, there's a pretty pretty good uh, Almond Brothers tribute band that that comes from Pittsburgh and. There's some parts of some of those solos that you know, I th- you know, the type of solos that uh, you know Dwayne and Dickie Betts did that you can't mess up a note because it, it would just ruin the whole thing. 
You know, I, I went to see um, Brit Floyd, a tremendous Pink Floyd tribute band. But the guy was a there had a uh, second guitarist in the band who flubbed one of the key notes of one of the songs, um, and I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't even remember which song it was, but I remember the note because it was like, whoa, you know, that was, you know, you don't, there's no, no room for that. But you know, when you guys are doing what you're doing, as long as you're in the right key, people aren't going to all turn. You know, the whole club isn't going to turn their head with an awful look at your guitar player if he's, you know. If he's as long as he's you know roughly close to the right scale, no one's going to notice that you know, and that's uh, it's a different it's, animal. It's funny because you know, first of all, music's subjective anyway. You mm-hmm. know, people like what they like, and I think sometimes they hear what they hear. But I, I'll give you an example of that, and, and one reason why I changed to do all original music. I mean, I've been doing it for the last fifteen to seventeen years. But mm-hmm. I played a band years ago, and I played this cover band, and we were doing three one-hour sets in the clubs in Richmond when they had it and we did Flying High and uh, yeah. uh, I, had a, I had a good band then and my singer who could sound a little bit like Ozzy but my singer at the time at that time sounded just like Ronnie James Dio okay I mean spot on mm-hmm. but he you know he could mask his voice and he did a really good version of Flying High but we we did the song and we took a break and this this uh, boy this, this, this gentleman and his wife came over and started talking to me about the band and they said you know great song, y'all did a good job, but and then they yeah. start picking apart what we did yeah. wrong with Lion High. And yeah. I just said, oh, you know, I said, thank you. I wasn't going to argue with them. And I said, you know what? I said, damn it, this is the last time I'm going to be playing all these cover tunes because I don't want to be picked apart like that. I mean, yeah. every cover band does not play those cover songs note for note. Yeah. They just don't. Unless, yeah. you're, unless you're a tribute band. So, uh, that was sort of the, the beginning of me by saying, you know what? I'm going to have to do, you know, I, I want to do more than just be judged on cover songs. Yeah, and, and there's something inside, you know, many musicians, and, and I had this discussion with lots of musicians, especially of that era, you know, of the 80s, you know, where you'll ask, okay, you know, it's 2019, record sales for everyone, you know, outside of Ariana Grande and Ed Sheeran are terrible. What right. drives you to make a new album? You know, and, and answer after answer with, you know, the pros are, you know, there's just something inside of me that says I need to create new music. And and I think, you know, that the same could go for, you know, Sammy Lee from Richmond, Virginia. There's just something inside you that says, you know, I'm a songwriter, I'm a musician, you know, this is what I feel I need to do. You know, and that's, you know, that's a... Well, well I think I think when you're... So, so at least in our situation, and again, I'm sure the, the the big bands get it. But you know, we put out the EP. We've done, we've we've toured some uh, last year. We did we did a tour with Tesla last year. We played a lot of shows last year. We've started to build a following, which is great. But so so what happens there? And you start meeting people, and you let it, you know you connect to them. Is so when are y'all bringing new music out? Yeah. You know, got, any, got any new songs? Right. And, and then you start thinking to yourself, well, <laughs> you know, but the, the one good thing about us is we do not have a shortage of songs. So right. we've, we've been writing. Our last show uh, was in September of last year. So we kind of took a little time off that. And uh, and during practice, we just started writing. We, we do not have a shortage of, of new material. It's just when we're going to release it or record it and do all that. Plus, yeah. for me... Uh, and, and we recorded with David Ivory, who uh, you know who did Hailstorm and The Roots, 
which was a great experience, but I enjoyed the whole experience of recording anyway, so uh, uh, to get back to the studio would be great for me. Yeah, it's just a question of, you know, paying for that. That's that's kind of the right, rub with, right. I think, every band in the, you know, I think, you know, you look back to 19, you mentioned Van Halen, you know, there was album in 78, album 79, album in 80, um, because there was a budget for it. Um, right. You know, in, in 2019, not so much. <laughs> well, I don't care so what much. band you are. No, and that, that's why I think you get some of these bands that just put out singles every now and then. Yeah. Instead of just a full album. Yeah, and that's certainly it's it's a difficult time because you, you know it, I think p- people are still trying to figure out what what it is that is a way to to make your music get to the masses without losing your shirt to give the music away. You know. Well, and, you know, it's funny. The so um, our, our publicist and I had a long talk about this one day, mm-hmm. uh, and. His belief, and I, and I I didn't believe it at first, but I still his belief is still radio. Radio is still a way to get people out, but how do you break that radio barrier? That's the problem. Yeah, because it's, it's corporate. It's, it's corporate, and so how do you break that for new bands? I mean, I remember reading uh, an article about Van Halen in this book years ago. This is years years ago, but Van Halen and even Aerosmith. I, I think this happened to Aerosmith too. I think I have that right. So, but I remember when they were just getting started. They had a friend of a friend who knew somebody at the local radio station, and they, you know, somebody took the tape down, and the DJs loved it. They played it, you know, and yeah. that kind of got the ball rolling. Well, you can't do that now. You yeah, know, there's, there's no way to break that that mold. So yeah, you have to find different and creative ways to get your music out. I think it's harder, but I also think there's a lot more rock and roll, hard rock, heavy metal out there than people want to believe, and and I believe it's kind of coming back in a lot of ways too. Oh yeah, there, I mean, there's no shortage of bands, and then that's, uh, you know, it's a great thing to say. Okay, you know, there's there's a million bands making hard rock slash heavy metal, but it also compounds the problem you mentioned of of getting the world to notice it because what makes your band stand out, you know, as someone who does what we do with this podcast. I get more music to look at every day than I would conceivably have time to listen to. Um, right. You know, and it's how do you pick and choose what you're even going to click on and give a listen to, you know, or how many seconds are you going to give a band before you move on to the next one? Um, you know, I was thinking about that with a, I ordered a, a vinyl album just recently and, you know, put it on the turntable and listened to it like three times in a row. And, and, you think back to when the last time you did that with anything digital that you own, um, aside from maybe a CD that was in your car when your car actually had a CD player, but when was the last time you right. listened to the same album three times in a row on your phone? Right. Um, you know, Never. so, and, and that's, I think, one of the things that ingrains some songs into your brain. I know when, when Van Halen's um, A Different Kind of Truth came out, I made a decision. I did not want to watch any of the videos that came out prior to the release. Obviously, Tattoo was on the radio, but right. I couldn't. You couldn't avoid that, and I didn't want to because, for my whole life, bands would drop songs to radio before the album came out. But when that album came out, I still had a CD player in my car. And I put it in, and I listened to it front to back, to front to back, to front to back, for about a week and a half, to the point where I was learning the lyrics subconsciously to the B sides, just like I would have twenty years prior. 
and what a difference that makes versus you know that makes a did you, huge did you difference. Get, did you bought the CD or did you buy the did you buy the album? I actually had the CD for that one. Okay, so again, and, and, and to go to your point, I agree with you on everything you said. Is sometimes you you know it's, it's almost like watching a movie for a second time because you don't catch mm. all the nuances the first time. Yeah. For, for music, number one. Number two is I think the one thing that that music is missing is the hard copy, whether it be a CD, whether it be an album, because you you know as well as I do when we when we were younger. I mean, and I'll use Van Halen just because of the family. I remember when Van Halen was going to release the album. It was going to be, you know, Tuesday the 2nd. And I yep. was got up at 10 a.m. and I ran to the music store just to hold the album, to see the art, yeah. to see the pictures. To re- That's gone. And, and, and I'm not even sure people care about that anymore, but I don't think people cared about it when we were younger to see the credits. Maybe they did it, but they wanted to see the artwork. I mean, Iron Maiden, my God. You wanted to see what Eddie was going to look like the next album, and you wanted to see that art. And, yeah. and I think art and all the, the album covers and everything else plays a big part of that, and that's gone. So yeah. I think that's a shame. And also, it was it was almost like when when you purchased that album. Let's just take you know um, the great radio controversy from Tesla when that album came out. I remember going and buying it because you could hear. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to remember what the first single off of that was. Hank Tough, maybe. Um, or I can't even remember what what, remember what single it was, but you know you heard that on the radio, and then when you got it, you got essentially when you dropped that fifteen bucks on that CD or whatever it was, you got twelve more songs that no one else had, right. you know, and and but you also didn't have the ability to jump around to thousands of other albums at the touch of the screen. You know, so today, you know, fast forward to the year 2019, Tesla drops a new album today, and it's almost like a non-event because, it's like, if I want to listen to it, it's there. If I don't get around to it, it's going to be there tomorrow. Uh, you know, I don't even have to buy it. I don't have to order it. Uh, I don't have to wait for it to come in the mail. I don't have to go to the record store to get it. You just open up my phone, and there it is. You know. Well, you um, do that, and also, you know, Spotify. So you pay ten bucks, you listen to whatever you want. So. Yeah. If I pay ten bucks, I can listen to whatever I want. Why, why go buy the album? Yeah, I can spend that as many times as I want. Yeah, and it, it's it is it's a it's Same. a tough model because I don't know what it you know you can't buck that trend you know no, you, you know it, as a yeah, band no, you, you can't, can't you can't say well but Red Rain's n- not going to do it that way. Here's the sad part, real quick, and I, I know we've probably got to move on, but here's the sad part. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm a and I say this, I'm a monster Van Halen fan. I mean, I've listened to Van Halen one, one through six albums with David Lee Roth and Different Kind of Truth so many times it probably is not even funny. However, and we all have heard the great songs, Dance the Night Away, Ain't Talking About Love, all those songs. But for me, outside of Van Halen 1, and again, I love all of them, but Women and Children First is my favorite, and my favorite song is In a Simple Rhyme. Now, if you're not a Van Halen fan, if you're a casual Van Halen fan, how many people are going to trip up to that song? They're not. They're just going to listen to the songs they know and move on. But I yeah. listened to that album from beginning to end. I loved every song, but In a Simple Rhyme stuck out to me. So you miss that. So if I, if I, in today's world, if I put on Women, Children First, and I like the first song, I like the second song, I'm sure not going to find the gold on the, ba- on the B-side. Oh, no. And that's yeah. the problem. Yeah, if you don't have, a, you know, your killer hook song in the first two, you're, you're you know, 
sequencing now right. I think is probably more important because people aren't going to listen to, you know there's no reason to have you know if if we were still listening to music you know if digital music came on like I said there would be no reason for auto reverse because no one would ever make it to the second side of albums absolutely um, I, I agree it's, it's awful yeah I mean even you know, the CD in a way gave us the ability to skip tracks, which I, I don't know that in a way that, that was a great thing for music. I mean, it's a great thing as a listener because you could skip, you know, you know, if you didn't like Big Bad Bill, for example, um, you know, which I'm sure is well, blas- blasphemous. You, you would you would go to a concert. So if, if you were if you were a casual fan of the band you like, you go to the concert and somebody would say, "Hey, man, I hope they play this song." And somebody goes, "Well, I haven't heard that song. Well, it's on this album. Well, I got that album." Oh, you know, I skipped over that. Then they go to the concert, they hear they yeah. love it, then they go back and listen to it. At least you have that, Yeah. you know, you have that that you can do if you have the CD, you know, or I guess now you can go to Spotify and listen, but, um, yeah, I think it takes away a lot. But yeah. it, it is what we, it is, it is where we are now in time, and, you know, you just have to just keep pushing on with yeah. what yeah. we are doing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Sammy, I don't want to keep any longer. Uh, again, you guys are coming in on the 16th, doing a show Saturday night, Jurgles, Warrendale, Pennsylvania, Winger. Um, no shortage of hits there. A fantastic musical band. Uh, you guys are going to be opening the show up for them, and we look forward to seeing you when you get into Pittsburgh, man. Well, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you helping us spread the word, and thank you. And uh, we look forward to seeing everybody there and enjoying the show. Finally, yeah! The Who is moving on. Set for a true Who experience like never before. May 30th, PPG Paints Arena. Pete Townsend, Roger Daltrey. Tickets are on sale now at LiveNation.com, Ticketmaster.com, or the box office. The icons, the show, the Who. Moving on. All right, again, don't miss Red Rain. They will be in Pittsburgh to do a show with Winger on the 16th of March at Jurgles. Uh, you can find information on that event uh, at our ironcityrocks.com. You can go to druskyentertainment.com or Jurgle's website uh, to get information. I believe there are still tickets for that, but um, double check. Don't head out without uh, to the venue without one because obviously anytime Red Beach uh, does a show in Pittsburgh, it's going to be a great, great crowd. And he uh, draws well at Jurgle's without Winger. So I can imagine with Winger, that one's going to be a, a pretty good ticket to get. We're going to t- turn our attention now to a band uh, out of Pittsburgh. Uh, actually, we, we get a lot of emails with Iron City Rocks with different record labels. And an email came across uh, with the band Repairing uh, talking about their new EP being released. Uh, so it certainly caught our attention. Anytime we see the word Pittsburgh in an email that comes across our desk, uh, it is on Grimoire Records, uh, Riparian have got this EP out now, and we had a chance to talk to Nick Toupe, uh, the drummer of the band, about the band's sound, uh, all the things that go into a band, um, you know, when, at this level. There's a lot of work behind the scenes. I think you, you listened to the interview with Red Rain. Uh, we talked a little bit about that, too. It's not um, not an easy thing trying to get a band off the ground. Riparian are making great strides. Uh, made a fantastic EP which is available now so we're going to play you a little bit of their music and we'll get into that interview with Nick
All right, ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome Iron City Rocks. We have Nick Tupe of Riparian. How are you doing today, man? I'm good, John. Thanks. Hey, uh, you guys have a, a really cool new, uh, I don't know if you call it an EP or an album, uh, coming out on uh, Grimoire Records. Uh, you guys are from Pittsburgh, so obviously it caught our attention right away. Um, and if mm-hmm. I recall correctly, you guys had done the, the Brewfest. Um, was it last in 2018? Am I correct? Yeah, on that? 20, October October 2018. Our okay. first one, we did that. I remember we did a, a, a really long episode uh, leading up to the initial one, um, so that that okay. event is always going to capture our attention. Um, can you talk a little bit about the move to Grimoire Records? What what exactly that means for the band, and also about the album? Absolutely, absolutely. That um, Grimoire was a good step for us, <laughs> and kind of an obvious thing because. Um, Brooks and I, who plays bass in the band, we have a little history with the record label. Um, our prior man, Rod Iron, that was also from Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. sure. we did a record with Grimoire um, back in 2014. And Noel from Grimoire, he does a great job, everything from uh, the PR to the actual recording. It's very rare that he's actually the guy who does the recording. Um, mm-hmm. We did the Rod, Rod Iron in Pittsburgh repairing and went down to Baltimore and recorded at his studio. But um, so that was kind of a easy jumping off point as far as label uh as far as getting something out on the label right away and yeah we are ep would probably be the better term for it just because it is um of a you know it's about 25 minutes long okay so just five song five songs so short a little short of an album and um but yeah so that was kind of a natural move uh because we knew what noel could do and we knew that they already had infrastructure and all that together so um and also you know they put out solid music that we're fans of yeah, you're just a hair shy of a Slayer's album, so it would make it an EP, I guess, officially. We use that as a measuring right. stick. Um, right on. Can you talk about, you know, as a as a band, you know, the decision actually to do physical product? I mean, this is kind of a question that I think always sort of interests me with, you know, you talk to established artists who think, you know, it's, it's a waste of time to make monies and to make albums anymore. Um, mm. But as a as a a band, uh, you know, with you know some regional shows and things like that under your belt. How important is it to have still in this day, you know, the the bandcamp link to the songs uh, or the physical CD if you're still doing that? Uh, you know, how important is that still for a young band? Yeah, it's definitely a consideration. Um, definitely necessary. We still do both. I mean, um, short of in this day and age, ideally as far as the physical product goes. Uh, vinyl is obviously the sure. best move because that gets you into the collector realm as well as you know the functional people who want to collect the music. Um, CDs, I find specifically in our genre and the death metal thing. I, for one, I mean, you know, I still CDs are not at all like an inconvenience for me. Um, right. In you know, just with the in the car or whatever the case may be, but it's important to have that physical product out there on the table at the shows, things like that. And we do, you know, I mean, we see the orders. It seems to be anyone who's gonna. I don't know how many people purchase just the download, uh, you know, just the download links for our album as opposed to sure. the actual CD, maybe a lot more, but it's important to have it out there. I like seeing it. It's nice to have that physical thing to hold, and it's just, it's kind of a better tangible reminder as opposed to just, um, you know, just the song floating in the ether and all of it existing online, so to speak. Yeah. Do you think some of that maybe is just the metal heads in us that still want and to be honest with you, you guys have amazing artwork on the cover of your album. But uh, uh, I think it's maybe, you know, I think a lot of metalheads, they grow up going to Ides and thumbing through the records or, or wherever you bought your records. 
that, that metalheads still want that physical product? Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, speaking for personal um, personal experience, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean, I was at I two weeks ago. Uh, mm-hmm. I was there probably a month before that. And, yeah, I still love that aspect of it. Um, there's still a lot of stuff that, once again, speaking specifically in, in death metal or maybe metal generally, um, there's a lot of stuff that I'll still find. Mostly, you're only going to find it on CD. Especially, I don't know, it just happens to be that way. Uh, I have a much better chance of finding it on CD, on disc, than on vinyl, I would say, as far as a given, maybe obscure uh, death metal band. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and there's that whole, the whole element of just the collecting, the artwork, how it's displayed, all that is a really big, uh, really big thing, especially with metal. It's a huge, that aesthetic is such a part of the whole package, I feel like. And as you said, the cover, yeah, we had done by uh, Jason Angst, who is a world-class, incredible tattoo artist out of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. He has a shop called Artisan Tattoo over in uh, Garfield. Um, and once again, Brooks and I have known him for many years. Um, we got we uh, asked him to do that cover for us, which kind of incorporated uh, some lyrical things and stuff like that and just had it. But in general, it was just his own great kind of vibe for it. We kept it, left it pretty wide open and got a great uh, thing in the end. But yeah, I think that's a big part of it too, wanting to have that tangible thing you can look at and keep. Yeah, I mean, I look at, you know, especially the cover of the album, and, and I'm, you know, some albums, maybe the artwork isn't so fantastic, but this one, you know, that's just, I'm assuming someone's got that tattooed somewhere if they have, if not soon, because <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, it's got you know, that kind of iconic, um, you know, what you expect from a new album kind of metal album or something, you know, you would have seen 30 years ago. Um, you uh-huh. know, so well done and, and a good choice on the artwork. Um, can you talk a little bit, you know, from from an outsider's perspective, you know, when you listen to, to death metal drumming in particular, which is your instrument, um, you know, I think a lot of people obviously understand the physicality of it, but when you approach a song, you know, is when you're when you're creating your drum lines, you know, how do you, you know, you're not just constantly banging on it in sixteenth notes on every drum on the whole kit. Um, how do you kind of work out drum parts? You know, some of it's got to okay. be an issue of stamina. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. The funny thing is about that. As the further, I mean, I've been I'm playing for uh, 21, 21 years now, mm-hmm. um, drumming, and as I've progressed deeper into the you know heavier, faster, more extreme sounds and metal, and learn how to do that. It's funny how it really is just an issue of learning to do more by doing less. So, like, the fact that I'm at my pinnacle of speed or mm-hmm. ability, stamina, et cetera, um, compared to in the past, it's amazing. It's because I've learned to do, it's like my muscles are the most relaxed. Certain muscle groups are the most relaxed, et cetera, et cetera, without going into it. I don't want to nerd out on it. But mm-hmm. it's just I've learned to do more by doing less all the time. That's like an inversely proportional relationship, which is incredible because it's not like you get, you hit the gym and you get uh, bigger, stronger arms and therefore you get to machine gun your way to faster blast beats like that. Right. It's not, it doesn't work like that. It's all about technique and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's definitely been a huge, and that's fun too. It just makes it so much more, you can enjoy anything, you know, the better you are at it. But just having those, having those like revelation kind of, moments where I'm like, oh, wow, if I just kind of relax this, that, I can play this so much faster and without getting, uh, with, you know, I don't, I don't break half the sweat now that I did like a year ago even. So, right. but and as far as writing uh, songs go, sometimes I will have, you know, because I, I do a lot of solo practicing, I will have 
parts, beats, you know, they're all structured together um, that are just so tight standing on their own that it's like, okay, let's, we got to throw some guitar over that and I'll come with that. But most of the time it's uh, usually goes the other way around from guitar uh, forward to me. And it's just like, I don't know, I just kind of catch that emphasis or that vibe of where that energy is of whatever the, that riff, you know, whatever the emphasis is that I want to kind of accent and well emphasize that um, I just kind of go forward from there whether it's going to be something crushingly heavy or you know hear that kind of barrage like last beat style thing you know there's a I kind of just and then it, it evolves fluidly from there I end up months later after we had the song written I mm -hmm. usually do most of the detailed little fill stuff away from the kid actually when I'm driving or working or whatever the case may be so just gets in there and bounces around my head now do you do you as far as tempos go I mean when you you know once you kind of put the word death metal around a band you know I'm sure there's certain expectations um, mm -hmm. do you try to still vary tempos do, so it doesn't sound like a you know essentially a 27 minute single song that may change keys um, or how do you kind of mix that up yeah uh, that's definitely a major consideration I mean there's because even if you're the top notch you know virtuoso crazy metal musicians who you know your drummers always at 300 beats per minute and your guitar guys are just you know absolutely nuts in every way just but that gets boring if it's all just straight ahead like that uh i think i don't know it bores me I can come get you. you gotta have a nuanced mixture of that's where you can tell it's like hey are these guys real musicians they have that is there that i hate to sound you know silly but that soul that vibe to it right but a lot more like those hooks kind of we kind of we kind of go with this um you know we throw a little bit of technical time manipulation and some you know funky weird timings in our on the songs that we have on the record but at the same time you can hear mostly it's still pretty head hang, head bangable as i like to say it's right pretty yeah it's pretty straightforward as far as rhythms go as far as like uh just as far as like triplets and um four four basis on the structure and all that so it's pretty like straightforward structure wise um some even you know we do use that typical verse chorus verse chorus structure mm -hmm. often as like a general skeleton framework um right. you know we don't do it straight up keep it that simple but um yeah it's uh there's a lot of things going to that and then but we definitely consider major thing for us when we're going back critiquing and writing songs bit by bit is um you know not doing something that is so much like something else or repetitive yeah. or just the easy way out of the predictable route that's whatever it is I take what the most predictable beat or you know sound of this part could be and that's the one thing I will absolutely not do that's that's basically how I like to write songs for my end fantastic yeah you're not doing just mixing it up but not going into the dream theater realm of, of death metal you know mix yeah, up I, time. Yeah. and I love listening to that I, I love that kind of the funky you know like the real kind of so to speak, drum, like the a drummer's thing where it's just sure. like, okay, the guy's nerding out, you know, like I was, I was a big fan of, um, uh, what was his name, before Mangini, the guy who was a drummer, and, uh, uh, I can't remember. Um, Mike uh, Portnoy? Yeah, Mike yeah. yeah, big fan of him. Yeah, you can hear, I use some of the, the classic uh, quote-unquote Portnoy fills on this album. Actually, the album, this, this record starts out with, with that. I threw one of those, at the, the big fill that's at the beginning of the first song is mm -hmm. a little Portnoy fill. And, um, but anyway, yeah, that's, they kind of established the whole cool thing, but to me, they are like like you and I were speaking beforehand about jam band stuff and different genres. They kind of cross into that realm of it's it's metal. It's under the metal umbrella. Yeah, like sort of. Band. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. 
Proggy, oh Genesis, Yes, and, and yeah, all yeah, kinds Proggy. of stuff mixed in. But there are there are spots of, and I think this I saw them open for Maiden, and they're able to do a kind of a throwdown metal set. Uh, but then they um, could, you know, they can go really light and and totally mix it up. But yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a whole different genre. Now, um, as far as the the uh, EP, you know, now that you've got this kind of and you've got you know the label, is the label um, was this sort of still a, a self financed recording, and the label is handling more of the distribution, or are they? Uh, is this more of a traditional, you know, they finance and you you kind of work to pay back sort of deal? That is a good question. It is, I would say, in between. It's it's definitely more on the realm. Of course, they don't have capital where it's, you know, hey, here's your advance, here's your mm-hmm. putting you up in the for the studio and this hotel. Obviously, I probably have to tell you it's not like that. But um, being that from the, that uh, Grimoire, the Noah specifically at Grimoire controls things from the ground up, being that he's the one who's actually doing the recording, mixing it, mastering. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe he sent it out for some mastering. But aside from that, it kind of they have a whole lot more control over it, and probably save a lot of costs in that whole process that way. Right. Um, so we do do it by basically, yeah, it is a financial arrangement based on sales and stuff like that. And there is like an initial investment um, that we do both contribute on, you know, without going into detail. Sure. No, That's pretty much how it works. So it, it is a um, alternative to, you know, major, major level. But they really, he's got a really great act together down there. A lot of, a lot of really good bands. Um, I think we're the only, we're the only Pittsburgh band. Um, but yeah. it tends to be mostly on that label from uh, BC, Baltimore area. Yeah, in um, all yeah. fairness, you probably don't want the traditional, you know, we'll give you a million bucks, go make an album, but then we own your soul and your rights and your publishing, <laughs> you know, yeah. for the next 30 well, years. Uh, you know, uh, uh, That would be, that would give me pause. Um, I don't think we're going to be invited into the uh, the 20 million club or anything like that, you know, yeah. with uh, yeah, Kanye yeah. and all those guys. Yeah, I, I know, I mean, from... What you got to do to get there are also very, uh, that's the real issue I would have, the things you have to do to get there, but as far as I understand Without going into names of artists, I, I interviewed uh, someone within the last year who had a platinum album in the 80s that still owed the record company money for it. So, you know, <laughs> you know. He still the, owes the record label money? Yeah. Yeah. So wow. That's just, uh, that's it's kind of, it's an interesting business. Uh, but, that's you know. That's the contract. That's the contract. Uh, yeah. Right there, man. That's the lawyer. Yeah. Ooh. But. Um, as far as you know, the EP is coming out in March. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah. It looks like um, we're looking at early March for the. We haven't set the date for the actual release show. Okay. March ninth is the tentative one. I think right now that'll be announced forthcoming very very soon. But uh, yeah, okay. we're looking at an early March um, official release of that. And do you have any sort of live events planned in kind of conjunction with that? Yeah, that's the, that is what I was speaking about that we are going to announce. March okay. 9th is the tenant date for also the release show okay. um, that we're going to be finding here in Pittsburgh. Uh, we will announce the venue very possibly. We're going to do it with our friends at Black Forge Coffee House up in uh, up in the South Side Slopes. Okay. Uh, Arlington Avenue up there. That's, uh, we played there before and went on. They do, um, they do some good stuff. So that is our tentative idea. And the best part about that is that we, um, when you mentioned the Brutal Beer Fest, the mm-hmm. brewery, North Country Brewing, that, that brewed our a, uh, beer for us. That they did it called the Nuclear Unclear, which is the first song on the record. Um, they saved a, I think it's like a, what is it? It's like a 16th barrel or some okay. smaller keg of that for us. 
with that it looks like we're actually going to be able to have for our release party, which is what we've been hoping for. That was like months right. ago, a plan we had. So that'll be pretty sweet too. That we'll have our own beer at that at that party too. But awesome. that will be forthcoming via our Instagram, Facebook, Bandcamp, etc. Sure, sure. And we'll pass that information along to folks as we we get more information. Well, Nick, I want to thank you yeah. so much for your time today. Again, uh, the, the uh, album. Um, from Aparian will be available on Grimoire Records. Uh, you can pre-order that at uh, Grimoire Records Bandcamp page right now, um, and we'll have links to all that in the show notes for this. So thank you so much for your time today, man. Awesome, John. Thank you very much. All right, if you enjoyed Reparian, uh, they're going to be doing a show on March 30th at uh, the Smiling Moose. Uh, you can find information at their uh, Facebook page, which is Reparian, R-I-P-A-R-I-A-N-P-G-H, uh, that's their Facebook uh, username, so just facebook.com forward slash. Uh, you can find information about them. Uh, their album release party was on the 9th, so that was just a few days ago. Um, Going to be, a, I think, a very well-received album in the Pittsburgh area. It's, it's, a, it's a great metal album and, and just some amazing drumming on that, so I was really appreciative of Nick for taking the time to come on and talk to us. So, again, Mike Tramp will be in Pittsburgh on the 21st with John Karabi. Uh, Red Rain on the 16th of Jurgles, opening for um, Winger and Riparian. Uh, there'll be uh, Pittsburgh quite a bit. Uh, their local band, they're doing a show in May at Howlers. And I'm sure I mentioned March 30th at the Smiling Moose. Uh, you can check out their website for all the details. You can visit us at ironcityrocks.com. We are on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter are all forward slash ironcityrocks. Or you can catch us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the show. Suggestions for bands, bands you loved, bands you didn't like. Let us know what you think. So until next time, we want to thank you for listening. (laughs) 